Welcome back. We are back again with another episode of Prospects Worldwide. We're continuing our series on the top prospects in every minor league system, and now we're on episode 13 out of 20. We've got plenty more in the pipeline, but today is all about the Kansas City Royals. They've won a World Series based on their stellar development in the past, and now they're vying to do it again. We'll break them all down right here, right now. So Royals fans, even though you can't tailgate with that delicious barbecue surrounding Kauffman Stadium, today I invite you to sit back and talk about your baseball future. Enjoy it today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide. Lucky number 13, ladies and gentlemen, and today is all about those Kansas City Royals. We're here breaking down the entire organization's top prospects that you need to know. Here today to talk about the prospects that will bring the crown back to the Royals, another day rekindling the fires of the Revolutionary War, the overseas sensation, Mr. Jake Tweedy. I'm so glad to be introduced first. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, last, oh. time, last time I got introduced first. Wait, who is Tweety? What? Who is that disembodied voice that has yet to be introduced? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I don't know who we're What a wild thing happening over here. Wait, I believe if we look closely enough, we'll see joining us from the state of Arizona, Mr. Drake Mann. Great to be here. All right. Okay, just go ahead and go first. <laughs> <laughs> you stopped. That's why I just <laughs> Drake, when I introduced Tweety... I did it as an NBA PA. Mr. Jake Tweedy! When I did it to you, I just said your name. Okay. Well, he's the one that wrote it, so yeah, he needs more, uh, uh, what's it called? I don't know I don't know where I'm going with this, but he needs to be, yeah, going first and sounding better. <laughs> Tweedy, I think we need to work on Drake's confidence. We need to work on Drake's confidence levels. Yeah, that's not what Jake said. Jake normally goes first. Jake, Jake just yeah. Jake, Jake gets to go first. He 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 owns the site. He he writes our paycheck, so he gets to go first. What paycheck? Still waiting for that one. FedEx is a nightmare. Oh, I bet the the taxing from U.S. to to England, it, it's coming in the mail. It's just such a long process. It'll be there soon. Cheers. Thank you. Let's get down to it, though, Tweety Jacob. Let's stop your incessant chit chat and get the Royals fans what they want to know. You know the drill. We're going to talk the top five guys, and then we're going to hit five players in the remainder 15 to round out the top 20. In a system that's that's overflowing with pitching prospects, the top name is actually a potential five-tool former second overall shortstop, Bobby Witt. Witt offers 60 power and a slightly lower 50 hit tool and wraps up his game with plus speed, plus arm, plus glove. Am I overstating it when I call him the future starting shortstop for the Royals and a likely multi-future all-star pick? You maybe went a bit too far with the second bit, but first bit, yeah, why not? I mean, like you said, there's a very pitcher-orientated system. There's a lot of them. So he is by far the standout just because he's the best hitter they've got, the best position player they've got. He's second overall in 2019, so he is very highly touted and started off slowly last season, but started to find his feet, picks the gaps well, moves well on the bases, and he's a capable defender as well. So I think for that system, he is one of the standout guys and, well, every reason to be. With uh, Bobby Wood Jr., you know what's uh, funny is he was actually clocked at 90 miles per hour off the uh, mound at one point in his career. But I agree with everything Tweedy said, basically. I see a lot of, like, Bo Bichette in Bobby Wood Jr. 
uh, with that gap to gap power, like he was saying, that advanced bat, 20 years old. There's going to be a lot of swing and miss with him, but arguably the best shortstop uh, prospect behind Wander Franco. So that's something to be excited about if you're the Royals. Sure. And with shortstop being, you know, you got catcher, you got shortstop, you got center field being like premium defensive positions. And the fact that he is plus defense at a premium defensive position, and he also offers that 60 power, he brings so much to the table. Tweety, you said I was overstating it for the multi-time All-Star. Why not? He has everything. I mean, his first year in affiliated ball was not great, but we know what he can bring to the table. If he reaches that ceiling, why not? Yeah, of course. But it's again, it's only one season in Pro Bowl. Like you get a f- get a few together, then see how he progresses through the system before you start getting that excited about him. You see, a, you see a boom for him in every other aspect. You see, he's don't want to go slightly off topic with, with like the hobby wise. I mean, his baseball cards go for ridiculous amounts of money, so the boom is there. So it's just that he's had one season. Let's see how he gets on in a, another couple of years. How he progresses. He's definitely got the potential. So it's just about maintaining that that expectation of him. That's actually a really good point. I mean, we've seen this with Mark Appel. We've seen it with Brady Aiken, where they're so highly touted that they just crumble or they're just not as good as people thought that they were. So that's a great point on uh, Bobby Witt with only the one season and limited experience. But, I mean, you just you just got to basically just be patient and see – what he does next year. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, in, in all the pro in all the podcasts before I am an Orioles fan. So when Adley was the number one pick, the big conversation was, do you go college almost ready to play Adley? Or do you go for the potential superstar in Bobby Witt? And, you know, I, I'm sure the Orioles think they made a good decision, but the Royals were in a fine position drafting Witt. They were happy to let Witt fall to them. So I still think he has that chance to really be that high-end player for the Royals. But but let's keep going down the system. Let's go to number two. And like I said at the top, the system is all pitching. And even before the most recent draft, it was all pitching. But the Royals decided to amp it up even further, and they picked Asa Lacey number four overall in this draft. We only have college numbers to go by, but Asa had a career college ERA of two and an average of 13 strikeouts a game. In the shortened 2020 season, he struck out 46 batters in 24 innings, and even better, in one game against Army, he got 15 outs, 14 of them were strikeouts. He's an absolute strikeout machine with control and command, and and I'm in love with him. With the, all the pitchers the Royals have beneath him, you have Ace as the number one. How high is Asa in the future rotation? Is he the ace? And, and if he is, how high is he in the league? What echelon in the league is he of Aces? Yeah, I think he is an ace. Like, he is... Obviously, you've got to go based on his college stats, like you say, and uh, on college ball. So it's it's not going to be much different going into pro ball, but there is going to be some slight differences. He is just a high strikeout pitcher. Like you said, 13 strikeouts every nine innings. is a quality fastball slider combo. ERA of just over two. With fourteen and five record, he start and he started as a reliever as well. So he's gone from a reliever to being a starter and just absolutely dominating. He is one of the aces. Nothing is up there with one of the top pitching prospects. 
Sure. What can y'all tell me about the arsenal? I see, you know, 55s and 60s with the fastball curve slider changeup. He's got a little bit of a developing cutter. What are his go-to pitches? It's not as if like he's got a. It's not as if anything going to be stand out. It's not. I think that's what makes him so well-rounded. He's not got that. We talked about in the last podcast with Medina, where he's got that really high fastball. But then everything else sort of like, mm, okay, follow suit. But with this guy, he's got everything is average or above. He's got that fastball, not the quickest, 92 to 96, but he uses his height well to create that downhill plane and causes problems for the hitters. And I think that combos well with, mentioned before, his slider, which is his best secondary pitch by far. He's got plenty of... Horizontal break, showing plenty of velocity, slightly lowers his arm to get plenty, get a bit more movement. Then you got that movement with his curveball, a downer action, and then his change up as some fade and sink. He has he can create deception with what he does, as well as being able to then pick it back up again by hitting 95, 96 miles an hour of his fastball. Yeah. Obviously, 10 staff is a real thing. You know, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. But, Drake, do you see him with any weaknesses? What, what does he need to work on? Because it seems like he, granted, all we have is college, but it seems like he's the real deal. I think that they need to refine his mechanics a bit because, especially uh, when I was watching video of him, I was very worried with the way that he would throw because he kind of short arms everything. But uh, it was really interesting what Tweety said about the breaking ball because that was one of the first things that I noticed was whenever he throw a slider he would always slightly o- or lower the arm slot but like with Hassan Lacey I see a lot of uh Chris Sale that's a really weird comp but you got the hard slider you got the fastball that's a plus pitch I think that we could see that kind of production pre-injured Chris Sale out of Hassan Lacey so so y'all have kind of skirted around it where does he land in the league, when you look at league aces, top 10, top 15, where is he going to be? I'd say top 20, top 15. Okay. I mean, we have him rated as a, what is it, a 55 future value. So if that's the case, he's up there with guys like uh, Max Meyer, Matt Manning, Spencer Howard, a couple guys ahead of him like Nate Pearson, Casey Mize. But in the future of baseball, he's going to be one of the best. Especially being the left-handed pitcher as well, I think there's not many more above him. Especially left side, that left-sided side. Mackenzie Gore yeah. says hello. <laughs> and Luzardo too. There's, there's a couple, but <laughs> other than that, then you look at Lazardo. Lazardo's going to be going disappearing off of that list soon, isn't he? Yeah. So that's one. So he's second, maybe left-handed. Sure. And you're going to see Gore off that list here pretty quickly too, maybe by next year if he yeah, keeps developing. Yeah. Well, I, I look forward to seeing where he falls because, I, you know, I enjoy fantasy baseball. And when I look at, you know, okay, well, if I don't have a top five pitcher, is it okay if I get a top 10 pitcher? Is it okay if I get a top 15 pitcher? And if Asa Lacey is a top 15 pitcher with this type of strikeout rate, pff, give me. Give me him on my team all day, every day. But guys, let's fall to number three to the next pitcher on the board. Like I said, the Royals have a lot of pitchers. We're going to talk a lot about them today. This one's Daniel Lynch, six foot six, 23 years old. And he's just one of those pitchers that just does everything well. 
that 6-6 gives him good extension closer to the plate. He's got four good pitches, including a 60-grade fastball that runs in the mid-90s. He's got, you know, above-average command, a career minor league ERA under three, you know, roughly 10 Ks and nine. Everything is there to be a quality starter, especially since it's been noted several times in, in a lot of write-ups that he's good with pitch sequencing and pitchability, that type of stuff. Is he right there with Asa as a, you know, as a one-two punch at the top of the rotation? Or is there a clear separating line between the two? No, I think he's he's up there with he's up there with Lacey. I think he's he's been impressive in Pro Bowl. He's done he's done well. Bear in mind that 2018 draft of him that had eight college pitchers drafted. And I think obviously when you look at the list, he is one of the standout ones out of that list. I mean he had twenty appearances last year. 96 innings, 96 strikeouts, 6-2 record. He's, he's done well, and I think he's definitely up there with Lacey. Drake, what do you think about him? I personally would have had Brady Singer ahead of him, but, I mean, I like Daniel Lynch a lot. I, you hit the nail on the head with he really doesn't do a lot of things wrong. Uh, the mechanics are really flawless, pretty much. Uh, maybe a little bit of refining because he does drag his arm just a bit which that can lead to injury. Lynch is definitely a good one-two punch for the Royals going forward. I mean, if you think Singer is ahead of him, then one-two-three punch. That, one, two, three this punch, is yeah. going to be an exciting rotation. Yeah, no doubt. Also, uh, guys like uh, Jackson Kowar and Chris Bubik are up there as well. So the Royals have something brewing out there in uh, Kansas City. It's funny. I, I go to Reddit at the beginning or you know, a day before each episode we record – and I ask questions of, you know, um, hey, we're recording. What do you guys want to know? Do you guys want me to ask any questions? And one Royals fan just is like, who's going to save us? And it seems like <laughs> there's a lot of pitchers that are going to save them. Like, because I, I actually, I wrote it out. I, I picture it like a dartboard with a lot of bullseyes. So, like, even if you're dumb and bad at darts, you're going to hit a bullseye eventually. And they've got so many key pitchers in this farm system that, like, even if a couple of them fall off, you're going to get enough production out of these guys that the, the Royals are going to be sitting pretty from the rotation standpoint. Oh, yeah, no doubt. But let's talk about Singer. Let's go ahead and, and bring him into the game. Our number four, possibly Drake on your personal list, possibly a number three. He's a future 45-plus future value, and, and, and currently he's the number two guy in the Royals rotation, according to Roster Resource. Um, as a former first-round pick and, and a highly touted pitcher out of Florida, he stayed consistent. It, it's not really flashy, but pretty much every year on his baseball reference page, he has eight strikeouts for every two walks. Year after year after year in college and now in, in minors and in majors, eight strikeouts, two walks. Eight strikeouts, two walks. Nothing wild, nothing you know sexy, but a recent athletic article came out and it compared him to Aaron Nola. And Nola is a guy who has been steadily increasing his K rate ever since he got into the league. Are we going to be able to see this with Singer? Is Singer going to be a Nola-esque type player? I think so. I mean, we've already seen how well he, he's uh, developed in the major league. So, I mean, that Singer-Slider uh, combo is really nice to see. The uh, mechanics are really nice. Uh, he's really athletic pitcher. And like you said, he doesn't walk that many people. So, it's, uh, it's really nice to see that uh, out of Singer, especially for the number four on your list. Because a lot of teams, their number four isn't even close to uh, how talented Singer is. So that's really nice to see. 
Yeah. Now, now Tweety, Drake was higher on him from the get-go. As soon as we talked talked about Singer, we knew Drake was a little higher on him. What do you think about him? You have him as four. Give me your thoughts on him. I like him. I think he's obviously had his first year in Pro Bowl last year. Obviously, another one of those ones that was drafted in the 2018 draft. He's, he's done well. He's, he's obviously gone into the majors this year he's, after just one season under his belt. And he's... He's produced. He's done all right. He's produced decent stuff. He's like I said. He's not one of those ones that's going to light up the place with loads of strikeouts. But he's he works his stuff well. His actions good. He's he's consistent. Like he has more control than his command. But I think when you look at him in terms of he's missed the. 2018 season for injury. I think that's what put him down a little bit in the first round. And then there's questions on his durability, but he's come back with stars, just whether that is still lingering there. Is that something that down the line is going to be costly to him? But at the moment, seems to be doing well. And yeah, he's up there. He could have been three, could have been four. So what does he need to work on? Obviously, you can't work on durability. That's not, I mean, that's, hit or miss, you're injured or you're not. But is there something that he can specifically take time work on, whether it's inducing more ground balls or or working on pitchability? What is it that he needs to take himself to the next level? He's not going to be a strikeout pitcher, so he's going to have to be the ones that – he's going to have to induce the ground the ground outs when he can. He's going to have to be – he's going to have to be very controlled over his pitching because the one – mistake he made it could be costly because he hasn't got that backup of having a big mid 90s upper 90s fastball that then he can just throw in there and create problems so he's just gonna have to be on top of his control like i said he only had one year of pro Bowl last year so that's going to come with experience and he's getting <laughs> he's getting thrown in the deep, at the deep end a little bit in the majors this year but he seems to be doing all right. Yeah. I, I don't know how easy it is to learn a new pitch. <laughs> I, I never pitched. But, you know, 55 fastball, 55 slider, 50 changeup, and that's it. I'd like to see my starter have a little bit more repertoire than that. Looking at this profile without knowing it's Brady Singer, I would look at it as like a long reliever type type of situation. Maybe better than that in a, in a bullpen role. But only two good pitches or only two above average pitches and the changeup's kind of working. At least tools-wise, another pitch maybe might help him out improving one of these pitches he already has to make it that wipeout pitch like you were talking about, sweetie. I'd like to see a little bit more out of it before I call him, you know, that starter that's gonna, you know, be in that rotation for years. So John, um, I can tell you one thing. Yeah. Learning a new pitch, that is uh incredibly easy, say, right? I wouldn't say it's extremely, <laughs> extremely difficult. Cause I, I pitched for quite a bit um but i wouldn't say it's extremely difficult but it's just all about that repetition Mm -hmm. in your bullpen session uh and then you slowly have to basically revert it into your repertoire in game that's what i think can be challenging for him if he were to develop another pitch but when you have someone like i don't know ian kennedy who has that vulcan changeup and that knuckle curve that are actually really decent pitches who's that veteran that can take you under their wing and just say, Hey, here's this pitch. I want you to work on it and see what you, what it does for you. It's great to have someone like that. 
Sure, absolutely. Those types of very niche, unique pitches get passed on. There's always the guy that the older vet that's that's teaching the younger guy how to throw his pitch. And Kennedy's a good guy to, to teach him those things. So yeah. But let's yeah. move on to round out the top five. Um, this guy's actually not a pitcher, uh, but he is international sensation, just like Mr. Jake Tweedy. Uh, <laughs> outfielder Eric Pena. Uh, with a nearly $4 million signing bonus, the Royals saw a lot in Pena. Uh, we don't have much to go on in terms of scouting. We have a couple of videos online. And from what I've seen, he looks like he makes consistent contact with some power. It's all wrapped up in a very lengthy swing, though. Uh, I watched two main videos, one from October 2019, where he's got a little bit of hesitation in the leg kick, a little bit of a hitch, and then another one that showed up on, I think he posted on Twitter 10 days ago, and it's so smooth. His swing has gotten so smooth over the last year. It looks like the Royals are doing a lot to hone in that bat. Pena's probably still you know, five years away from making the bigs. But what's his ceiling now that we know he's showing so much in, in this change? He's got a very high ceiling. I, I like him. I mean, like you said, there's only a couple of clips, a few little clips. You see a little few reports from how he was. But they signed him for 38 million dollars they signed him for a fair bit of money bear in mind the royals you look at their top 20 the majority of them are pitchers so they've invested heavily in this bat and i think he's he's got that i think he's got that advanced feel and he's athletic he's 63 obviously he's going to bulk out he's only 17 years old so a left-handed bat he's got a lot going for him he's just one of those ones of How's it going to play when he reaches Pro Bowl? How's he going to adjust to the differences in the American game? Like, he's offensively very good. Defensively, we don't know. But it comes across that he is a smart fielder and he's got just got that natural talents and instincts to be a decent defender. So he's a, he's a bright spark. And I think that's something that especially the Royals need in a very pitcher-heavy system. So he probably profiles to be a corner outfielder, right? Yeah. We don't know, like I said, you, and you mentioned it, we don't have the videos to show him in the field. It, it's all about word of mouth at this point. Uh, once we start seeing videos in, what are we going to look at to see, okay, this guy's definitely a center fielder. This guy has the speed. This guy has the range, whatever. Uh, in a, Just in a straight video, how can you tell? Well, he's trying to go more off his offensive tools. I mean, he's you've got to see how how he is as a hitter. Like, if he's going to be one of those players that's going to be very good, he's going to be a power hitter, he's going to be a decent bat, then you're going to use him in the corner. You're not, he's, I don't think he's got the arm to be centre field. So it might be one of those ones, you push him to the corner and then just let his bat play. Sure. Uh, Drake, what are your thoughts on Pena? Do you, I know there's not a lot to go on, so we're all kind of looking at the same things, but what do you see when you look at him? Uh, I definitely agree with uh, what Tweedy said and even uh, what you said, John, uh, with basically he's already made the adjustments. When I'm looking at Eric Pena hit, he reminds me a lot of a former outfielder that played for the Yankees for Detroit. I think of Curtis Granderson when I'm watching him uh, play. He might not have uh, that much speed, but the left the swing looks uh, similar, except for like the um, 
the release. The release is very awkward as a uh, Tweety probably knows. He probably saw that really awkward release that he does. I'm, I'm a big fan of Eric Pena and I definitely want to see more of him, but there's a lot of projection. There's going to be a lot of heartache or headache with him because he is only 17. So, well, as a, as a numbers guy, I can't wait for 2020 to be over so we can see 2021 <laughs> numbers so I can see like, okay, a little 320, 390, 560 slugging. Like we're looking good on this guy. I can see some really good things here. Right now, I don't know. And right now it's bothering me that I can't make an assessment off statistics. So let's move on. Let's take a quick break. You know, take a breath here. We'll be right back after this break. What's up, folks? It's Steve from the Grande and Big Sum Show. If you're looking for the hottest takes, Twitter debates, and everything going on in sports and pop culture, then look no further. We've got you covered. Whether it's tackling the newest in the NFL, NBA, and college sports, catching up with some of your favorite college and pro athletes, or just chopping it up, there's something here for everyone. You can find the Grande and Big Sum Show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Grande and BS Pod. That's G R A N D E and BS Pod. Thanks, and we'll see you guys soon. And we are back. We are talking about your Kansas City Royals, and we've gone through the top five in the system. And now, Tweety, you've chosen five guys that you want to spotlight to close out the top 20. To start off those spotlights, we've got two lefty outfielders, both on the 60 man already. The first being Kyle Isbell at number eight on your list, the latter being the 10 slot Khalil Lee. Let's start with Isbell. He's in a good position to start pretty soon in Kansas City as, as Alex Gordon's on his way out. And guys like McBroom and Starling are likely not going to, I guess, stand in his way. Isbell's got a smooth swing and, and certainly can make plays in the outfield. If, if you need proof, go to prospectsworldwide.com and look at the video we posted. It is a it is an 80-grade highlight in a 55-grade fielding. Because, good goodness, it is an impressive feat. He seems to be an all-around player that could fit pretty nicely in Kansas City. Where does he play in the outfield for them, and how is that bat going to look in the bigs? Bear in mind, he only played 52 times last year in Wilmington. It wasn't a great showing from the offensive players. A lot of them didn't really, didn't really produce, but he still managed to come up with 23 RBIs. He hit 15 extra base hits. He, his average of 216 wasn't great, but he, in that, when it looked in the actual team, it wasn't the worst. I think there was other players on the list that didn't quite do as well. I think Melendez was one and Matthias was one. and it, it wasn't a great year for him, but he just seems to be a player that if he, his injuries didn't hamper his season, then he could have done a lot better. And he came back strongly in the Arizona League as well. So he's done the right. He's just one of those ones that he needs a fit season. He needs to be able to play games in order to show where he's going to fit in in the outfield. Like He's not reached. He's had 64 in 2018, 59 in 2019. not enough games really to really see where he stands. But he was the standout in Wilmington, but for the... Not the wrong reasons, but you've had other players that should have done better, and he seemed to be the one that showed a little bit. Sure. Is he going to – I mean, just looking at tools, 55 hit, 50 power, and then 50 speed, 50 arm, 55 field, he's kind of a balanced player. 
which side is going to be more his game? Is he going to be more contributing in the field or is he going to be more on the bat? I think he likes it to be more the bat. I mean, when you've like, gone back before about looking at the system, that there's a lot of pitch. There's a lot of pitchers. So you want that really to show his offensive side and play up a bit more. Yeah. Show that he can hit the ball. He has that ability to barrel the ball well. So he's one that you want to look at hitting-wise to be decent. You know the pitchers can control the game. Right, let's see the other side of it in the hitting side. Yeah, and I know you said it was a small sample. He didn't play a lot, but that WRC Plus last year was at 97, so slightly above league average or slightly below league average. Uh, I can't complain because it was a small sample. But Drake, what do you see in Isbell? Do you see him taking over Gordon's spot? You know, next year, maybe not next year. I think maybe just one more year development because he did come off a down year, like you guys have been saying. That on base percentage, that's normally extremely high, uh, was very low, but again, small sample size. But uh, I'm actually a big fan of uh, Isbell. I saw him at a fall league, and the at bat that I remember seeing the most was he took an inside pitch and almost hit it out, and it was like incredibly inside, and he had enough bat speed and strength and nearly hit it out. Uh, I actually got a video that's on the Prospects Worldwide YouTube channel. But uh, I do see a little bit more with the bat than the defense going forward. But after the down year, you really never know. That's what I'm wondering. If this down year, because he's 23 and he last played in high A, so this year would have been a real prove-it year for him. He's on the 60-man now, so he is getting that development with the proper staff. Uh, And I'm wondering if we can kind of put stats behind us which, like I said, is weird for me. But if next year, because he has this development, if he shows out in this 60-man, if because his tools are so high, because his potential is so good, if they could just slide him right into a, maybe not a starting role, but a 26-man roster role. Yeah, I think he's just going to be like a 26-man, like coming off the bench, maybe next year. I just don't see him taking over Gordon's spot ne- uh, next year. I, I mean, he's like that, like I said, that down year might affect his stock just a little bit, but we just never know because like, it's just like a breakout. You never know how they're going to do after that breakout season. Yeah. I I mean, outside of even Gordon, it looks like the next few years are going to be really open for plucking for the Royals uh, outfield because Hunter Dozier is what? I think 29. Whit Merrifield's 31. These guys, if the Royals want to let them walk, the walking is available. The, The arbitration years are over. And Isabel could easily slip into a spot where they just don't have outfielders because they let they let them walk and Isabel's here. But guys, let's go to the next outfielder I was talking about. Number 10, we're looking at Khalil Lee. He may be a year behind Isabel, and he offers a fairly similar athletic profile. Maybe a slightly higher ceiling in the field, and his hit tool isn't nearly as good as Isabel's. But even though the pure hit tool shows only you know, a 45 future grade, in 129 games last year, he got 124 hits, and 32 of those were for extras. He also managed a whopping 53 stolen bases, which fits perfectly with the Kansas City way. Uh, what will he be looking like in the future for Kansas City? I think that 53 stolen bases was the most impressive thing I think I saw for him. It was, <laughs> that's quite a remarkable stat. And he's not an 80 grade speed, 55 speed. He's not even. Yeah, it's not as if like he's a he's a very quick base runner. He's just 
he just he's just intelligent he's aggressive like and and it works well because i mean like 53 stolen bases is pretty incredible and i think he only had 12 court stealing as well so he was a very high percentage that he was successful with he's one that he's made very quick progression very quick like he was a in last year he was obviously at double a but the year before that he was in double a he made the step up obviously started there again last year and he's he earned the Texas League mid-season all-star as well during those two seasons. High strikeout rate, yes, but he's hit 47 extra base hits. Uh, he hit 47 extra base hits in and 20 stolen bases in 2017 before he then had the promotion in 2018. Again, another one where he had 28 extra base hits and 16 solid bases, and then obviously last year he's had that massive jump to 32 extra base hits and 53 stolen bases. He just keeps on progressing. Nothing is one that's going to be good for the Royals because in a very pitcher-heavy system, he's doing the right stuff. He's got impressive arm strength, and his batting arm could suit well as a corner outfielder. And yeah, yeah. And, and outside of the extra bases, like I said, the 124 hits in 129 games, he's getting roughly a hit a game, which if you look at his year-by-year batting average, he had 2017 was off. But outside of that, every year is pretty much a 265 average. He went 269, 263, 264. He's very consistent. That's probably the player that we're going to see roughly in the 260s. And if you're doing 260 with 53 stolen bases, get yourself in the major leagues. I think something that you got uh, – I'm actually shocked neither of you two uh, brought up was his on-base percentage. He's a career 366 on-base guy, and especially with the 53 stolen bases and the ability to hit gap-to-gap power and get all those extra base hits. That on-base percentage is very key to, I think, getting on a major league roster, yeah. especially when nowadays you don't see guys get on base. You don't see guys take walks. You just see home runs or strikeouts. Like – when you see a, a guy like Lee or a guy like Isabel that have that high on base, I think that that gives them a little bit of a uh, leg up in in a system. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, his his OPS or his OBP is consistently a hundred points higher than batting average, and that's I mean that's the the baseline. Everyone who always stats a slash line, you want to have a hundred point difference between your batting average and your OBP, a hundred point difference between your OBP and your slugging. Now he doesn't have that with the slugging, but that's not going to be part of his game quite yet. He might grow into something. You know, he does have the 50 home run power. It's never going to be elite elite, but I, I think that the hit tool being a 45 and all the other tools he has plays well enough. You're right with that OBP that it doesn't matter that the 45 hit tools there. He can still get on base. He can still produce when he's on base, but let, let's keep pushing down. Let's go to number 13 now. We're looking at Suli Matias. And, and honestly, I'm perplexed. Matias's tools read like a roller coaster. You start off with a minuscule 35 future hit tool and then shoot to the sky with 80 raw power. Then 55 game power, back to neutral with 45 speed, and then you know 70 arm, and then 45 fielding. Judging by the profile, I imagine this guy is just simply just the strongest man on the field, and he swings with his eyes closed. The 44% strikeout rate scares me, but in his most productive 2018 season, 40% of his hits were home runs. I, simply put, are, are we looking at Orioles' Chris Davis in Kansas City Blue? He's, yeah, he's one of those ones. He gets struck out a lot, but 
he can hit the home runs. I think last, like I've touched on before, the Wilmington batting in general wasn't that great. His average was 148, but he still managed to get 18 extra base hits in 57 appearances. Like, but he's another one that just he needs more games. Like he's done 57 all the way up to 94, then back down to 57 again. It's just he's very inconsistent, and I think that's that's the problem for him. And I th- but he can absolutely crush mm-hmm. the ball, and that's the that's the thing they've got. They've got his question marks about his fitness, but then in the same sense, he's got that raw power to really do something with it. It's just about now making consistent contact, making sure that he plays enough games in order to do so. If you're coming in and out, it's going to be difficult to really kick up some momentum. But dangerous hitter, he just needs to really focus on hitting the ball. He seems to swing a lot, especially outside of the zone. Then maybe lacks that ability to recognise his pitches, but he's just got that power there. And I think that's that's going to be the frustrating thing. He's got it there. Now he just needs to prove it. Yeah. I, I mean, watching the video of him that's on the website, that's on the article, he at one point hit a ball just straight up out of Kaufman. <laughs> it is, uh, he, he has the power, but Drake, in today's game, the power is very needed, but can you succeed with a 35-hit tool? I mean, even the, the Blaze Jordans and the and the Joey Gallows of the world are better than a 35-hit tool. I, I mean, I think you can. I mean, the strikeout rates are a little worrisome, as uh, Tweety was saying, but I think he's going to be fine, uh, especially nowadays where there's a home run literally every game, and that's... As long as you can still supply that home run power. Like, watching video of him, uh, all I could think of was current Royal Jorge Soler with his swing, just the way that he presented himself in the box. That's just all that I could see with him. So you can easily, I think you could easily uh, succeed with that poor hit tool that is currently present with Matthias. And I think not to be overlooked, he does have that 70 arm. So you put him out in the field, and while he might not have the greatest fielding at a 45, average fielding with a 70 arm, he can throw, he can get a couple outfield double plays, throw a couple people out at home, and that is a a small but very much there advantage. See, you know that there's another guy I just thought of on the spot of a guy with a really poor contact tool, but he's actually succeeded pretty well. How about a... Big man in Cleveland, Fran Mill Reyes. How about that? Uh, <laughs> come from Matthias. Um, but yeah, if the power just stays, I mean, I personally would give him, would uh, think that he could succeed. Well, okay. I'm still perplexed as to how this person exists in real life. 35 hit, 80 power. <laughs> but it's, if it can work, it can work. And, I, and Royals fans will be very excited to see his home runs and, and specifically hear his home runs because that bat cracks. Uh, but let's be, keep moving down. And I'm a little surprised by how much I like this next player, uh, Wilman Candelario. He's a future 50 grade defensively at short, and, and he offers above average power and speed with, with average bat. Will his plus arm move him to third? And if so, will his only above average power be enough to stick in the corner? I mean, I like the profile, but... I worry that it might be a tweener role where he doesn't have the fielding to be shortstop and he doesn't have the power to be a third baseman. So where can he play? You know? Yeah. He's one that's, he's, he surprised me a little bit. He was obviously 
17 coming in. You know, all right, okay, he was in the he's in Dominican summer league, but he came in and he just hit the ball well. 315 batting average, 19 extra base hits. Bearing in mind he's only 5'11, 165. Not a big guy, but he seemed to do well in offensive, and I think that's that was one of his key aspects was that they were looking at that his offense were gonna lag a little bit. He's a bit more of a defensive style player, but showed last year that he has that ability to get on base. And then even then he can he picked up eleven stolen bases. Okay, he got caught stealing just amount just as much eleven times. But he has that potential he shows some potential. His strike rate was high, twenty nine percent. And then when he's batting three fifteen and he and he can work on that strikeout rate, he could be very decent with what he produces. He's a very aggressive approach. I think with time, he's another one that's those first year, bit antsy, really goes for it, but calm down a little bit, getting working, getting working on his swing, especially from the right side, then you never know where he could end up. So he's got that fifty fielding tool, and you say, you know, the the field was actually what was preferential for his for his profile and then the bat kind of snuck up on him when you have other royals like bobby witt and then nick lofton who we didn't talk about but it was this year's uh, first round pick when you have other shortstops like that ahead of him on kind of you know the organizational depth chart does candelario stick it short or is he gonna have to move when you've got a person like bobby witt in the system it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult to get in but the kid's only 18 years old like he's got a long way to go yet before he's at majors level, and then by then, I mean Bobby Witt's only twenty. He's going to be right there with him the entire. Yeah, but then he's drafted second overall. This guy, yeah, so this guy, but Witt will definitely be pushed through the through the minors a lot faster. Yes. Yeah, so obviously he's international signing, so he's it could have been anything. And I think giving him that time, you can really see where he progresses. But. 5'11", 165s. It comes across to America. We know what you Americans are like with your food. Bowl cup. <laughs> wow. That's it. He's, okay. he's not experienced American food. If you'd like, I can bring the bag of chips back onto this recording. <laughs> he's not experienced American food yet. He's not been. He's not touched that life. Uh, <laughs> uh, Drake, outside of um, Candelaria's future diet habits, <laughs> what do you see his future progressing like? I, I agree with Tweedy with the um, basically with him being a defensive first. I mean, just watching video, he has extremely quick hands. He has that plus arm strength. But when you again, when you have Bobby Witt in the system, it's really hard to find a spot. So I think third base might be very viable to him getting more time or uh, progressing faster. Uh, there is projection. He is extremely thin, and he hasn't, like Tweedy said. Uh, experienced American food yet. So, uh, yeah, we, I think that he's going to uh, propel through the minors because especially you want that great defender on the left side of your infield with Bobby Wood Jr. because anything that gets hit that way, it's not going by. It's not going through. You know, I never thought I'd get to the point in these uh, in these recordings that we would be talking about, you know, this guy just needs to go to the Kansas City Get him some Arthur's, get him some slaps, barbecue, and you know he'll he'll get chunky and he'll hit some home runs. And uh, I like that. That's where Prospects Worldwide is going. Uh, this is this is the podcast the podcast that I want to be on. 
This is how we look at it from a British perspective. We've got to look at you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we look at you guys with what you can get, what you provide, your barbecues. Oh. I, <laughs> hey, I'll do this. You send me over some uh, British Smarties, and I'll send you over some Arthur's Barbecue from the heart of Kansas yep. City, and uh, we'll see who wins that You're trade. You're getting a Cadbury Brit box. <laughs> This is a good day for me. This is a good day. Let us move away from Candelario. I don't want to avoid this food. I want the food, but I want to move away from Candelario real quick because I want to talk about number 20. He's a 20-year-old Michael Garcia. He was most recently the shortstop for uh, Appy League Burlington Royals. He's been in rookie ball for three years now, which is not the greatest sign for a player's development, but you still have him in the top 20 over guys who missed the list, like former first-rounder Nick Prado, electric righty Yanzi Morel. We're not here to talk about those guys, but what gives Garcia the edge to put him in this top 20? <laughs> well, this is a discussion I had with Jake the other day. I think we had this argument for quite a while. Like, it's just There's just something about him that I like. Like You, you know when you, you, get a, you get a sense of a player? Oh, I do not. I do not know how to do well, that. I'm a terrible I was talking scout. straight, not you. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just read the numbers. <laughs> but it's just, when you see a player that you like, and he's got that average hit, average speed, above average arm, above average fielding. He's just, it, nothing stands out per se, but he's just, it's just something about him that I like. And I think he he done well with bat, his batting average. 286 last year with Burlington. And then he had 19 stolen bases, picked up a few extra base hits as well. I mean, you look at his size. Now, that's a guy that definitely needs the American food. 145 pounds, six foot. Now that guy <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, didn't, I thought that was a typo. Exactly. So you look at him and, right, okay, he's not going to end up bulking massively, but it's just, there's just something about him. Like, I think he's he's shown more maturity at the plate. He had a lower strikeout rate this year. He increased his ability to find the gaps. Although he was caught stealing a bit more last year, he shows that threat on base. And he just he's just decent overall. Like he's not he's not a standout guy, but in the same sense, like there is areas that he's good at, there is areas that he could improve at, but for me, he just edged onto that bottom because of the intrigue. You know, you've got your board where you put players on to keep an eye on. He's on, yeah. he's on my board. All right. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to highlight him. Uh, as I highlight him, because apparently this takes me minutes to do, uh, <laughs> Drake, Drake, are you familiar with Garcia? Do you know anything about him? I know he's not on a lot of people's top 20, but if you have something, feel free. Let me know. I got nothing. I'll be dead honest. I haven't <laughs> seen him. That at all. I mean, but Tweety, that feeling that you just got, that is called a prospect crush, buddy. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've you got have one. I'm heavy on it. I'm the young Venezuelan. I've got it. <laughs> Crossing international borders multiple times for this crush. Oh, I love it. Am I? <laughs> I I do like the, the type of player, though. I don't know much about Garcia, but I, I've said it before. I played that that. OOTP game, a silly baseball game, but the fans of OOTP know what I'm talking about here. When you're building your roster and you're doing these roster constructions, you all of a sudden you find this guy who's available, who's just 50s and he's just fine and no one wants him, but he's just 50 hit, 50 speed, 50 arm, 50 field. 
And you're like, oh, he can contribute, put him on my team for cheap. And he is a contributor, and he does enough to make it worth it. And if that's what Garcia is, the Royals are happy because they have a 26-man guy who can do enough to make it worth to be on the team. But I I did talk about Prado there for just a second. Nick Prado um, didn't make this top 20. uh, But I had a pretty lengthy question on Reddit for him, and I want to see if you guys can answer it. Um, I'll hammer out kind of the quick details on the guy's note. It was from a guy named uh, Base Kev. Last year, Prado struggled in high A with an OPS of 588. Oh, that is not good. (laughs) He still has a path of being, you know, the natural first baseman. There's not a lot of people on that organizational depth chart ahead of him. I think it's McBroom, and then that's kind of it. What are the Royals, and Nick for that matter, doing to accelerate his development? The thing is that this where we go back to this whole thing about Wilmington. Like, he was in a team that, as a whole, the averages weren't great. Yeah, they did, well, I think they won won the division. They, they, but they weren't great individually with their batting averages. But then you look at him, he still end up getting 31 extra base hits. He's, he struck out a lot. But then when you look across the board of that team, like I said before about Matthias and Melendez, like, none of them really stood out. Like the, their highest batting average was Tyler Hill got 403. Okay, that's a big standout. Then you look at players that played over 100 games Hicklin, 263 average. Isbell, 216. Prato, 191. Melendez, 163. Matthias, 148. Like it weren't, it weren't standout from a lot of them. Like, so I don't think he's a player that needs to focus a lot or doing a lot because the year before, he didn't do too bad. He still came joint second in home runs last year for Wilmington. So he's got the ability when he hits the ball. It's just that I think in the team he was in, I think if you look at going somewhere else or where he comes up next year and he goes to a different level, I think you might see him come back to his, you look at his batting average last year, 280, the year before 247. He's around that mark. So I think last year was just one of those outlier years. I think uh, talking about batting average with, Prado is kind of unfair. I'll be honest because when you have a power hitter and because that's what he is, he's strictly power, you just want to look at the slugging. You want to look at the home runs. Yes, it was a down year, but I think what the Royals are going to be doing is they're just going to keep him in the lower level in the minors just so they can get that basically experience of hitting there, especially when he's only 21 years old. So the power is there. Basically, I see Prado as kind of like, this is going to seem weird. But I see him as kind of like a Gre- the Greg Bird that was supposed to be the Greg Bird that wasn't. Or that. That's the most confusing player comparison <laughs> that has ever been said on this podcast. Okay. And, and I'm not editing it. <laughs> so, okay. So I'll just restate. Hold on. All right. So I see Nick Prado as kind of like what Greg Bird was supposed to be. That power hitting first baseman that hits a lot of home runs but strikes out a lot. But I just think that when you bring up batting average with him, I just think it's kind of unfair with how talented he is uh, in the gap-to-gap power and the actual over-the-fence power. It's one of those that I think he's got that talent. It's just the num- your this, this, this is your thing about numbers. The numbers didn't look great. But when you looked at what he produced, what he could produce is very different. Yeah, I was, I was actually really uh, confused when Prado wasn't on the list. I was like, wow, that's a... That's- Pretty weird, but that is a that is a little bit of good reasoning, and it does bring a little light to it. Yeah, 
And, and even though he's not on the list, we're not saying he's a bad prospect. Because I think very clearly he does have a path to be a first baseman in the future. I mean, you have Ryan O'Hearn, and then any other first baseman in the system is drafted 28th round or something. It, it, it's a bunch of guys that I've... Rhett Applin, Travis Jones, Logan Porter, Nick Hutchins. I don't know any of these guys. I don't think the, play, the people listening know these guys. Nick Prado is the only other first baseman on the 60-man roster that's not on the major league roster. And he does have a very clear path. I think the Royals are, are making it very, very apparent that they believe in Prado and they're not going to put someone in the way of his development. So making the proper adjustments at the alternate site and coming into 2021 with that kind of newfound, maybe not the batting average because he's not going to be that, but newfound production. But guys, let's take a step back and take a look at the overall top 20 I want to look at the guys that we didn't talk on. Just just touch them for a second. Looking at number six and seven, we've got two pitchers. Of course, more pitchers for the Royals. Jackson Coer and Chris Bubich, righty and lefty. And then at number nine, I touched on him for a quick second. Nick Lofton, shortstop. He was the first-round pick in 2020. And then we've got number 11, MJ Melendez from Wilmington. Number 12, Austin Cox, was a lefty pitcher. 14 and 15 and 16 were Carlos Hernandez, Jonathan Boland, Ben Hernandez, all righty pitchers. And then 18 and 19, we've got Brady McConnell, shortstop, and Alec Marsh, right-handed pitcher. But guys, take a step even farther back, outside of Prado, outside of those top 20 guys that are going to be a name that we need to look forward to going forward that might make this list here in the future. I mean, there's a couple from their 2020 draft. I mean, I looked at Christian Chamberlain. I think he came in left-handed pitcher, though he's had experience as a starter and as a bullpen arm. I think he'd be better suited as that bullpen arm. When you look at their system of, you look at Lacey, you look at Singer, look at Lynch, all starting pitchers. Someone like Chamberlain that can come in, he doesn't have the quickest of fastballs, but he's a decent breaking ball. It could be what they need in terms of relieving those guys. So he's one of the ones that, stood out in terms of a pitching point of view. And the Tyler Gentry, third round, power hitting outfielder. Dumbo excelled with his on-base abilities. Obviously, his main tool is his power. He showed his 35 extra base hits in two seasons. Just defensively seems all right and has a simple approach that just gets bat on ball and then it generates power as it comes with it with his clean contact and nice swing. So there's a couple of guys from the 2020 draft that I thought stood out a little bit. And then Jason Guzman as well, I think. There's another one that just missed out. Played a lot last year and he'd done 35 extra base hits last year, 253 batting average. Is one that stood out that just missed off the list for me. Uh, looking over some numbers, as the statistics guy that I am, Christian Chamberlain out of Oregon State, short season ball, 0.8 ERA, 14 strikeouts per nine. Uh, if that's real, if that's not just short season statistics, uh, this is a guy, now he might be a reliever, but uh, he's a guy that's going to be a real force to be reckoned with. So, uh, Drake, who do you have on your list? I think, didn't you also have Guzman on, on your on your possible outside of the top 20s? Uh, I did as well. I'm actually a big fan of Guzman. I think he's more of a defensive player, but he is only 21 years old. So there's just another guy. He's a 
another uh, basically high on base guy that uh, I think could start once he gets more repetition and more uh, experience at the levels, he could start to rise really quickly. But like we've said with Bobby Witt Jr. and all these other shortstop prospects in their system, it's going to be hard for him to really get a jump up, a leg up on these guys. But there's another guy that they actually just traded for. Uh, They traded Brett Phillips to the Rays for Lucius Fox. And another defensive first guy, but and another high on base guy. So this is really interesting because the Royals have a lot of high on base infielders and good defenders and just young, talented infielders. Yeah, if I remember correctly, um, Lucius Fox and Jazz Chisholm came out of the Bahamas the same year. And there was a big conversation of like who was better because Lucius was the defense guy, Jazz was the power guy, and uh, Lucius has that ability to stick on the major league roster purely on defense. The OBP helps, but gosh, that defense is—he is an athlete. He is an absolute force in in the field. So uh, that's a that's a good pick there. I, I actually forgot that Lucius was uh, in the Royal system. Well, guys. That's it for the Royals today. Like always, we love to keep these T20s short and tight. Tweety, thank you for joining me yet again today from across the pond. It is far too late. Actually, probably far too early at this point in your in your morning. <laughs> um, we appreciate you being here. It is, it is an absolute pleasure every single time. Oh, it's a pleasure to be on. You know how much I love coming on. Yeah, absolutely. One of these days, we're going to record at like 1 p.m. Eastern, where it's not absurd your time. One of these days, we're going to end up with a little sideshow, which is going to be me and you. Yeah. Late night yeah. chats. Oh, late night overseas chats. Oh, oh a nice glass of port. Oh, gonna be a nice glass of orange squash. Am I right? <laughs> you know, you know how we play. <laughs> and Drake, I don't want to leave without giving you the same proper love. The, the love affair does not just cross the oceans. Sometimes it stays at home with you, brother. I appreciate you being on. Thank you for having me once again. Let me uh, spew my nonsense again. (laughs) Well, as we sign off, please tell the world where they can find you and if there's anything you want to plug. Okay, you can find me on Twitter at MLBUKAnalysis1 and look out for Dodgers and Nationals coming up in the near future. Uh, You can find me at Drakeman4, D-R-A-K-E-M-A-N-N-4 and look out for the Twins and Braves coming out with the... Top, uh, top 20 prospects and also go subscribe to our youtube channel we keep putting up fire content up there and you guys are missing it it is it is true fire content i appreciate you for doing that drake and thank you. as always what up i said thank you oh you're sweet <laughs> as always i'm john giles you can follow me at puma revive that's p-u-m-a-r-e-v-i-v-e-d and please continue listening to our pod we're gonna have a ton more of these episodes coming out We're almost halfway there. That means we have more than half left. Remember to give us good reviews, and you can find this article for everyone we mentioned here today over at prospectsworldwide.com, and go to that YouTube channel, like Drake said. Please, if anyone has any questions about a team that we have not done yet, send them in, or if you just want to hear us have a banter, just send a line to at prospectsworldw on Twitter. I look forward to reading those questions and requests, and I'll be happy to ask them next time. Thanks for listening today. I'm John Giles, 
And this is Prospects Worldwide.